for another episode of CFP365 Podcast. Welcome back. If you're a return listener, if not, you're a first-time listener, well, thank you for checking us out here today. We're going to be talking about the ACC Co-Stars as we continue our spring previews. Going to try to do it a little bit faster in our uh, Atlantic episode uh, just for time constraints. But uh, Anthony, last week we talked about the ACC Atlantic. Uh, it's pretty straightforward over there. Uh, Clemson leads the way, and then there's a couple teams vying for that number two spot in the conference, but it's still a ways away from Clemson. The ACC Coastal, however, is a little bit more of an open race. You got teams like UNC, Virginia Tech, and Miami at the top there uh, historically. Um, But in 2021, it looks like it – Maybe is UNC at the top as the front runner, but it's really a wide open division. Yeah, I think you look at teams like UNC and Miami as probably the two teams jockeying for first place, at least in the preseason. But, you know, you have some interesting storylines there as well. Virginia Tech, you never know what you're going to get with them. They could be decent going into this season. Virginia sometimes can go on a run. Uh, Georgia Tech uh, probably won't compete for any championships this year, but. They showed a lot of promise with their young guys last year. There'll be a storyline. So there's a lot to go over in the Coastal, and there's definitely some interesting storylines to cover. Absolutely. And let's just dive right into this. We're going to go through these, um, I think, alphabetical order we have it here. Uh, I hope so. So um, if we look like idiots down the road because one's not alphabetical order right um, well, I checked. They are they are in alphabetical order. We we are good to go. So yeah, right. you were right. We they are in alphabetical order. We would not look like idiots. Great, uh, but I may sound like an idiot. A rarity. I mean, you're right. Uh, but there's still quite a bit of time for me to sound like an idiot here. So let's just go on because the longer I talk, the higher chance I sound like an idiot. But um, let's go to Duke. Um, the Blue Devils are coming off a. Pretty brutal season in uh, 2020, one and nine in conference play, two and nine overall. Anthony. Yeah, there, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about with Duke last year. They were just bad. Um, in terms of improvements going into 2021, um, uh, I, I hate to do the thing we did last week where we just basically say the entire defense, but Duke averaged 30, uh, or they allowed, excuse me, 38.1 points per game last season, which worse than the conference they they were very bad defensively um they also lose a bunch of guys along the defensive line uh which i'll get into in the big spring category but uh quarterback chase bryce as well was expected to perform much better transferring in from clemson but after a bad season he has left for appalachian state which i think could actually be a good fit for him but clearly it just did not work out at duke david cutcliffe head coach of duke obviously is known as a quarterback guy but unfortunately, it just did not click with Chase Bryce, and he very much underperformed there. Yeah, you, you really uh, summed that up really uh, well. Um, yeah, this uh, the only thoughts I really have on Duke was that it was – I know Duke isn't historically a good program. They're, they're bad to average, but – for a David Cutcliffe team, that, last year's team was abnormally bad. And uh, there was a lot of issues, obviously, there. But uh, I do think they're going to take a step forward here in 2021 just because of their history under Cutcliffe uh, of recent. But um, who are some of those guys you think need big springs if they're going to take that step forward in 2021? Yeah, I think it starts with the quarterback battle um, with obviously Chase Bryce leaving. And I think COVID and the lack of an offseason had a lot to do with Bryce's struggles last year and him transferring out of the program. But uh, the quarterback battle between Gunnar Holmberg and Luca Diamant, I think that's going to be something for Duke that they need to watch. If one of those guys can step up and have a big spring, that could go a long way towards Duke rebounding a little bit from last year. And uh, the defensive line as a whole needs to step up. If there was one unit on this Duke team last year that was above average, it was probably the defensive line. They had a lot of quality players. Uh, defensive end Chris Rump the second and uh, defensive end Victor Dimujeke declared for the NFL draft. And um, they lost two guys on the defensive um, interior as well in Derek Tangelo and Drew Jordan. Tangelo went to Penn State. 
and Drew Jordan went to Michigan State. So from the ACC to the Big Ten for both guys, uh, those are four really decent players that they're going to have to replace. So the entire D-line as a whole definitely needs a big spring. Absolutely. And that that was the one strength of the team, like you said, last year. Uh, but, I mean, when your defensive line is your only strength, uh, it doesn't usually lead to success uh, in many other places. Um, and even then, uh, they they may have been able to attack uh, the quarterback well, but they still allowed 215 yards of rushing last year. Um, so, yeah, they, they really need big springs uh, out of everybody. Like you said, we hate to kind of use that as a cheap way uh, to say what needs to improve, but for Duke, it truly is a little bit of everything. Um, our next team is Georgia Tech, obviously – I write about the Yellow Jackets for uh, yellowjacketup.com. So this is kind take of it away, Dylan. This is take kind of my away. expertise. I'll let you take a little bit of a drink here and I'll just uh, ramble about the Yellow Jackets here. But um, yeah, last year for Georgia Tech was, I guess, okay to a point. Overall, went three and seven on the season, which, I mean, Entering the season, Tech fans were expecting probably four or five wins in the year two of the Jeff Collins era. It didn't work out like that. The defense continued to struggle under uh, the new coaching staff, which is kind of a little bit of surprising of Jeff Collins' background. But the offense does have some playmakers there returning this year. Uh, that does lead you to believe that offense could take a step forward in 2021. But last season, the offense was uh, – up and down throughout the season. They showed a lot of promise, but a lot of struggles at the same time. Um, but overall, 3-7 and seven on the season. Biggest win of the season probably came at the start of the season against Florida State. Uh, but after that, it was a lot of struggles. Um, in terms of improvement areas, I'm going to say the first one, um, which leads into another one, is definitely at quarterback, Jeff Sims. Um, I'm not sure how much you've watched of Jeff Sims, Anthony, but Sims has the potential to be a very, very good quarterback in college football, and he showed a lot of promise. Uh, He did throw 13 interceptions last year, had quite a few fumbles as well, but those interceptions, as the season went on, began to diminish. Uh, He threw, I think, eight interceptions the first few weeks, and then uh, only through five uh, the remainder of the season. But they need improvement out of him, but they also need improvement improvement out of their wide receiver play. Last year's re- leading receiver, I believe, was Jalen Camp. Uh, Camp's now off to the NFL, uh, but after that, it's kind of a big question mark. Uh, they do have Malachi Carter returning. He's likely their number one receiver. But after Carter, it's, it's really a big question mark. I just actually wrote an article today about how there's potential there, wide receiver, but still... Um, will that lead to production? Uh, their rush defense needs more consistency. It was a big struggle last year. Uh, they allowed uh, 189 yards per game on the ground. As a whole, defense as a whole, they allowed over 450 yards. Um, so really need big improvements there. In terms of big springs, I'm going to say um, the rush defense is in – is going to need a big spring, but most importantly, Jeff Sims. Jeff Sims is going to take this offense as far as, or I should say, the offense is going to go as far as Jeff Sims can take it. If he struggles this year, it's going to be another bad year for Georgia Tech. If he can take a big step forward, which it sounds like he's shown promises, promising signs of so far in spring, uh, Georgia Tech is a team that I think could go to four or five wins. Uh, in 2021, and for the sake of Jeff Collins, they need to at least hit the four or five win mark this upcoming season. Yeah, I completely agree with you, especially on your analysis of Jeff Jeff Sims. He did show a lot of promise last year. I think he had some freshman moments, but he was a true freshman, you know, starting for the first time at the college level, the ACC level, what do you expect? But he did get better as the season went on, I think. I think he felt more comfortable as the season went on in the offense and in his own ability, he's a guy that has a great arm and is good at improvising. I mean, he's got speed. He can, he's a, he's a scrambler as well, but he can throw in the pocket. I think if he shows some strides this year, 
along with the emergence of Jameer Gibbs, who I think is already a star yeah. at this level. I, I, I mentioned him. Yeah, I, I think this Georgia Tech offense can really start to take off this year. I think there should be a lot of um, hope and promise for Georgia Tech fans that this team, you know, they're not going to go on a run and a magical run to the top of the ACC. I think the defense still has a lot of weaknesses, but I think that they can show some improvements, maybe even get close to 500 ball. And in Sims and Gibbs' junior year, you hope to see some real improvements where they're pushing for eight, nine wins even. Yeah, and before we move on to Miami, the last thing I'll say about Georgia Tech is, like you said, with Gibbs is uh, he, Gibbs is a special talent. If you haven't watched him, please go out and watch some highlights. Of him that he he is a truly special talent. I I've not seen a running back like him in a while. Well, there's of course some guys across the country, but of guys I've been able to watch closely, I've not seen a guy like him since uh, Saquon Barkley at Penn State. I'm not saying he's Saquon Barkley, but uh, the dude has a chance to be really special, and I think he's going to be one of the top running backs in the country come his junior year, and he may break into that conversation even this year as a sophomore. But that entire running back room for Georgia Tech is really deep, and uh, I I would say they have three or four guys that really could – three guys that could probably start at, at – a lot of G5 schools and maybe even some Power 5 schools. Um, but, yeah, and with Jeff Sims, to wrap this up, uh, like you said, he did look very much more comfortable as the season went on. And I think early on, for what it, a lot of it seemed like, the game was just moving too fast for him. And as the game slowed down, he really took steps forward and looked good as the season came to a close. And I think with a full spring and summer under his belt this year, with non, not as much COVID restrictions. I think he's in for a big step in 2021. But let's go to Miami, who uh, who knows what Miami's going to be any given year. Yeah, I think last year uh, Miami took a large step forward. Uh, they finished 7-2 seven seven and two in the conference and 8-3 and three overall. And I think, let's be honest, that was in large part due to the, the uh, incoming transfer of Derek King from Houston. Um, he completely overhauled that offense, completely changed how they play. Um, he's a playmaker, and Miami's offense took off because of him, as well as playmakers such as Brevin Jordan, who emerged as a star at the tight end position for the Hurricanes. Um, it was night and day, Dylan, I think you could say, but there's still yeah. a lot of room for improvement on this team, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. So defensively for Miami, we've gotten to know Miami over the last few years, before last year at least, as a strong defensive team. That was their identity. Their offense may have been among the worst in the country, but their defense always performed well. Well, last year is kind of a little bit of a flip. Uh, Last year's defense finished 67th nationally in total defense on 408.4 yards per game, which – yeah, on paper, I mean, you, you'll take that, but it, it's true. It's not an elite number, to say the least, that they're used to down there in Cora Gables. Uh, they they surrender twenty seven points per game. Again, uh, you can score all the points you want offensively. I like to say, but if you, if you can't stop the opposing offense, it's not going to do much for you. Um, I, I think the biggest question mark for them in this season. I don't know if you agree. Is the linebackers um, the secondary we've seen? is pretty strong based off last year's numbers. Uh, but their linebacker linebackers, uh, I think, struggled to replace some of the talent they lost over the uh, 20, the offseason heading into last year. Um, they, and, and I think you saw that in the, in the Russian, the rush defense where they allowed 174 yards per game. Uh, obviously that's partly defensive line, but their defensive line had plenty of talent and was successful last year. So I, I feel personally a lot of that fell on that second level, which is of course the linebackers. Yeah. I would say that the strength of that Miami defense last year probably rested in the defensive line. Um, they had talented players such as Jalen Phillips and, uh, the Quincy Roche, was he the guy that opted out last year on the defensive yes, line? Yeah. Yeah, so that was after, after transferring in from Temple. 
Yeah, that was obviously a big loss for that Miami defense, uh, that defensive line unit. But Jalen Phillips had a big year in his absence, replacing him. And uh, that secondary was also pretty good as well. So yeah. I can definitely agree that the linebacker group definitely was lacking a little bit. And I'm not going to say that that was the biggest reason why, but I definitely think that it played a part in that defense giving up uh, 408.4 yards per game. Yeah, and they're um... – I mean, just to speak about how that defensive line was good, uh, they were 32nd nationally in sacks, and they were 4th nationally in tackles for a loss. I know defensive line isn't the only people picking up, only players picking up tackles for a loss, but a lot of your tackles for a loss are coming from that front four. Uh, or I'm trying to remember if Miami runs 3-4 or 4-3, but from your defensive line. Um but yeah, that linebacker group really needs to take a step forward this year. Their secondary is pretty good. Um, team passing efficiency was top sixty nationally, um, which isn't great, but it's it's very solid. And they only allowed two hundred thirty three passing yards per game, which you'll take uh, any day of the week. Oh yeah, for sure. Now, who are the guys on Miami that you think need to have a big spring? Because um, I'll I'll go with one of them. I think. The backups to Derek King uh, need to have a big spring just because King did tear his ACL in the offseason or actually wasn't in their bowl game. Bowl game. It, was, it was in the bowl game. That's and right. End of the first half against uh, Oklahoma State. And she's yes. So he may or may not be back for the Bama game, and that is their first game of the season. Can't get much bigger than that if you're Miami. So uh, if he's out, they're going to be looking for uh, guys to step up there. So uh, whether it's um, – was it Tyler Van Dyke, I believe. Either Tyler Van Dyke or Jake Garcia, one of those two need to step up and have a big uh, spring just in case King can't go. Yeah, and it would be Tyler Van Dyke because I believe Nikosi Perry is in the transfer portal. Uh, he or, is in the no, transfer uh, portal, yeah. Or of course, uh, Jake Garcia, the uh, incoming true freshman from, uh, well, originally from California, but then uh, Valdosta and Georgia. Um, yeah, for me, um, I would say I I would look at um, well, we build off the quarterbacks. Yes, the backup quarterbacks need big springs, but I think it's it's important big for uh, De'Ara King just to continue being on track in his rehab because if he has any setbacks, that's going to be a major setback not just for him but for that entire uh, program because. Without Nikosi Perry at quarterback, I, I'm just not sure what this team's ceiling is offensively because he's such a dynamic quarterback and so good um, that without him, uh, I, I think this team takes a, a major step back. Uh, would you agree there? Oh, yeah. No, I think that if, if he's not there, I think that this team goes back to what they were the year before he was there, which is a 6-6 six six program that struggled to get any semblance of offense going. It can't be it can't be overstated how much Derek King really changed Miami's outlook. You know, the quarterback position is more important than ever, and he's such a dynamic playmaker. Yeah. Uh, other guys, uh, Tennessee transfer defensive end DeAndre Johnson. Uh, that that Miami defensive line lost a ton of talent. Uh, Gregory Rousseau, uh, Jalen Phillips, Quincy Roche, even though he didn't play a snap for the Hurricanes. That's a lot of talent to lose in one offseason. And, I mean, there's no way I think they're going to be able to replace that fully. But Johnson probably should be able to step in and help alleviate some of the pressure uh, from the other players uh, there on the defensive line to step up. But, I mean, you could really say that entire defensive line group needs to step up and find uh, who's your, who, who your next big playmaker is going to be there. And then I also think it, it's worth mentioning that um, – the wide receivers uh, are going to need to step up. Uh, I mean, Mike Harley is uh, – he's returning. But a- outside of Harley, uh, it- it's kind of a question mark who's going to be that number two guy because Brevin Jordan uh, is off to the NFL. Yeah, no, that'll that'll be interesting to track. Uh, those Definitely the incoming transfers with Tyreek Stevenson and Charleston Rambo. Uh, they definitely put in work in the transfer portal this offseason. 
bringing in guys that have a lot of experience with their uh, recent team, Stevenson in the secondary at Georgia and Rambo as a receiver at Oklahoma. So yeah, I think that, um, I think that that'll help Miami in the long run and those guys should come in and immediately be starters. And um, yeah, I think that'll help replace some guys that went off to the NFL. Absolutely. Let's move on to UNC. Um, obviously the Tar Heels are coming off a huge step forward in 2020, finishing seven and three in conference play and eight and four overall And Mac Brown's. Is that Mac Brown's second year back in? Or is that his first? It was his second year. It was his second year. So he's entering year three of the second Mac Brown tenure in North Carolina. But it was a big step forward. And uh, one big reason for that was Sam Howell. Um, th- this is a big season for the Tar Heels. They have a chance to come out swinging here early on in the season uh, and really set the bar as being that number one team in the Coastal Division. And uh, Howell is going to be a big part of that. Um, that being said, this team isn't perfect. If they're going to take that step forward, uh, what are some of the areas you think they need to improve on? Yeah, so uh, one area I think UNC needs to improve on going into next season is forcing more turnovers defensively. I think UNC has a very young, talented defense, and I think there are some guys that really could take a step up, and I'll highlight one of them in my guys that needs to have a big spring, in my opinion. But sure. I, I think that – um. Well, I don't think – I know that they finished last in the ACC defensively with only 11 turnovers forced. Now, like I said, this is a young team, and I think that um, this defensive staff is going to find a lot of ways to make them more disruptive and to get them in the backfield and force more fumbles and interceptions. So I expect uh, this year for UNC to improve in that category substantially. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, the two I have is um, one penalties. Um, last year they ranked 120th in uh, total penalties uh, over the course of the season, averaging let's see, uh, s- almost 14 penalties per game. Yeah, that's a lot of penalties. Um, yeah. So penalties, you you gotta you gotta fix that. You, you, if you're gonna be a winning team, you just you, you can't be committing that many penalties. And then also, um, their defense, especially in the passing game, need to take a step forward. They allowed 400 yards per game and uh, 29.4 points per game. I know their offense is dynamic and amazing. Uh, they averaged over 40 points per game offensively last year, but when your offense isn't there necessary for a game. You, you're going to need to rely on your defense to pick up some of that slack, and that's where they got burned last year. I mean, they, they had losses to uh, Virginia, Texas A&M, Florida State, and Notre Dame. In all four of those games, they allowed 30-plus points. Yeah, listen, it's going to be difficult to win if, you know, you're giving up too many points defensively. And I know it sounds like a very common-sense statement, no matter how good your offense is. And that UNC offense is, was fun to watch last year. And if they can plug the right guys in to replace those playmakers, they'll be able to have a dynamic offense again this year because they have arguably one of the best quarterbacks in college football in Sam Howell. And that's going to be fun to watch again this year, his development going into his junior season as well. Sorry, I said 14 penalties. I looked at the the sports reference page wrong. They had uh, 7.1 penalties. Uh, so quite a big difference, but that's still way too many penalties. Um, and those 85 penalties went for 814 yards. Um, so, I mean, five-yard penalties here and there, you could probably live with. But when you're averaging 10 yards per penalty, uh, that's not too good. Yeah, listen, those penalties eventually add up. But, Dylan, um, let's go into guys who need to have a big spring for UNC because – as good as this team is, they are replacing some guys, and they are young. So who do you think needs to step up and have a big spring on this UNC team? Sure, and uh, I'm going to go straight forward here. Um, I'm not sure who it's going to be, but they need somebody from that running back room to emerge this season because you're losing both Michael Carter and Javante Williams to NFL. Last season, both guys went over 1,000 yards. Um, I... I mean, their number three rusher last year was Sam Howell. So it's really a wide-open competition there 
about who's gonna uh, who's gonna merge there as that number one running back. Their fourth best rusher last year was British Brooks, which is a great name, by the way. But he only aver- he only totaled t- ninety nine yards on the season and four point one yards per carry. Uh, so, I mean, you you look up and down their statue last year, and it's hard to say who's really gonna emerge there. So that's gonna be a question, and then. Uh, who's going to emerge from the wide receiver group? Uh, I think both Diane Brown and Daz Newsome are also off the NFL. And then when you add Michael Carter and Javante Williams, your top four receivers from last year are all gone. So that's a lot of talent to replace in one offseason. And it's going to be interesting to see if they could do that because if they can, they shouldn't really miss a beat offensively. Uh, but if they struggle replacing at either running back or wide receiver, um, it could become a tough season for North Carolina, and this coastal race would be even more wide open than we uh, are already thinking is. Yeah, I think it it didn't fly under the radar per se, but I think not enough people talked about what Javante Williams and Michael Carter did for UNC last year. They both rushed for over 1,100 yards and scored 33 total touchdowns. Like, and Sam Howell gets all the attention, but those two guys were dynamic and a huge part of this UNC offense. And to have to replace both of those guys going into next season is going to be tough for UNC. They're obviously not going to get that level of production from, from their running backs. But they did bring in uh, Ty Chandler from Tennessee. Uh, you have to think he's the early favorite to emerge as the starter in that room. They also get a, uh, a really talented freshman coming in in Kamaro Edmonds. He'll enroll in the summer, so I think he'll also be competing for carries, and we could see him in his freshman season as well. And among those wide receiver uh, guys that we talked about, um, like you said, Dimey Brown and Daz Newsom both off to the NFL. I expect to see guys like Josh Downs and Emery Simmons, guys who flashed last year and definitely made some big plays, especially from Josh Downs. I expect those two guys to become Hal's favorite targets on the outside going into next season. Yeah, I think those are definitely names to watch as uh, as this spring progresses and we get into the summer months. I know by by the time we get some of these episodes up, uh, spring ball may be over for some teams. I know Florida State has their spring game, I believe, on Saturday. This is going up Friday, so tomorrow at this point. Um, but either way, we big springs, big summers at this point too. But uh, yeah, I think those are great names to watch. You ready to move on to the Pitt Panthers? Yeah, let's go cover the Pitt Panthers, baby. All right, Pittsburgh uh, started season last year with a three-game winning streak, albeit against a weak schedule. Uh, but they struggled in the middle of the season, uh, dropping uh, four straight at one point before um, finishing strong with three wins in their last four games. Um, what are your overall thoughts on the Panthers? Um, obviously, they're they have their quarterback entering the season, but uh, it's it's still a big question about who's going to surround them offensively. Yeah, I think a big area this team could improve going into next season um, is the offensive line, especially in run blocking. Uh, they were ranked 111th in rushing attack and 80th in sacks allowed, giving up 26 overall. So not great numbers there uh, for the offensive line. Obviously, the run game could improve as well, but I think it all starts up front for this team. Fix that offensive line, and they've got some playmakers, especially in wide receiver Jordan Addison. If you've ever listened to this podcast, you know I'm a big fan of his. You know I think he's going to be a dynamic playmaker next season and going into the future. So, yeah, offensive line woes. Yep. Uh, that's definitely the biggest need. And I've, uh, I, I've, I remember that I forgot to mention who the quarterback was. That quarterback, of course, is Kenny Pickett, who it feels like he's returning for his like 10th college season at this point. He's one of those guys uh, who keeps returning. Uh, reminds me a lot of, uh, well, uh, Hunter Renfro at Clemson. And then uh, for you college basketball fans there, uh, Perry Ellis at Kansas. Uh, but, um, 
Yeah, uh, that offensive line definitely needs to take a big step forward uh, this season, like you said, uh, and the run game as well. I mean, last year's leading uh, rusher was Vincent Davis, who totaled 632 yards but only averaged 4.4 yards per carry. Uh, A.J. Davis uh, only averaged 4.4 yards per carry as well. Uh, So they really need somebody to take a big step forward in that running back room this year whether it's uh, one of the Davises or uh, somebody else further down the depth chart. Obviously, they have Jordan Addison on that outside, um, but um, will Addison see uh, tougher coverage this year? Uh, will he? He's going to obviously get everybody's best corner, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, opposing defenses game plan Addison and then uh, who emerges from uh, Pitt uh, as that strong number two guy and in this season. Yeah, I think another area that you, you want to see uh, Pitt players have a big spring if you're a Pitt fan is uh, that secondary, specifically uh, the safety position. Uh, star players DeMar Hamlin and Paris Ford are both leaving for the draft this year. So you'd like to see somebody step up and become a leader in that secondary moving forward. So, yeah, definitely some question marks for Pitt defensively going into next season. Yeah, Ben, it's also worth noting on the outside, I believe wide receiver DJ Turner, who had uh, over 600 yards last year receiving uh, receiving yards, that is, uh, has left for the NFL. So, um, there would have been a nice one-two punch with Addison and Turner, but outside of Addison now, like I said, it's a question mark. Yeah, it's also worth noting defensively, uh, we talked about the defensive line a little bit. Uh, yep. Pitt will be bringing in four-star defensive end Elliot Donald, who is the cousin, I believe, of all-pro defensive tackle Aaron Donald, who That'd also started at Pitt. So um, a couple, some, some Pitt bloodlines, some uh, Donald family bloodlines returning to the Pitt defense. Um, if he could have even half the impact that Aaron Donald had at his time at Pitt, he'll be a, a star player for that Panthers defense. So uh, that'll be a guy to watch next season for them as well. Sure. Let's go to Virginia um, as we have our last two teams here. Um, the Cavaliers last year started the season off with a good win over Duke. Obviously, Duke was a bad team. Uh, but then it was kind of an up-and-down season. Well, or maybe down then up because they went on a – Four-game losing streak following that win over Duke. Uh, But then at the end of October, they picked up a nice win over North Carolina to begin a four-game winning streak uh, before dropping their season finale to Virginia Tech. So we saw the good, the bad, and the ugly from Virginia last year. Um, But really, I I mean, for Bronco Mendenhall, yeah, it's a step down from 2019. But if you're a Virginia fan, you still have to like where the program is headed, it feels, uh, over the next couple of years. Yeah, no, I think Virginia, you know, it was an up and down season, but I, I think they continue to move forward. I think they're well coached under Bronco Mendenhall. Um, I, I think one area that they could improve going into next season is definitely their pass defense. Um, they allowed uh, 300 yards per game last season. Obviously, if you're allowing 300 yards passing on average in every game, um, you can't expect to do well, and you're probably going to give up a lot of points in the process. So, um, yeah, I think if they can reinforce that secondary a little bit, uh, they have a bunch of guys back in that secondary, including Devontae Cross and Joey Blount, as well as uh, Nick Grant. So that should definitely help them as well. So, yeah, reinforce that secondary and uh, plant down on that pass defense. And I think you could see that Virginia defense improve. Yeah, and to go off that, uh, they ranked 123rd last year out of 127 teams in passing yards allowed, just uh, to really speak of how uh, poor that secondary was last year. Um, And they were 121st in passing. Sorry, sorry. Wow. I this is actually interesting. Um passes intercepted, they actually ranked twenty-third in. So somehow, despite intercepting eleven passes last year, which ranked twenty-third in the country, 
they still allowed the 123rd most yards. Sorry, the fourth most yards in the country. That that's quite the conundrum there. Yeah, that I don't know what I don't know how to make heads or tails of that. If I'm being honest with you, normally if you force a lot of turnovers, your defense does pretty well. Yeah, that that is isn't that interesting. I, I it seems like they were like a boomer bust defense. You know, if they were going to make the big play, or they were going to give up a big play. You know. Yep, and also to go off that uh, team passing efficiency defensively, 109th in the country. So yeah, overall you just got you got to improve that secondary. You're intercepting passes, which is great, uh, but I mean you can't just it can't be interception or nothing. It has to you have to break up more passes. You have to keep those receivers in front of you, and you know you just can't keep getting beat deep as they did last year. No, definitely not. Uh, Dylan, who do you think needs to have a big spring for this Virginia team? Uh, well, number one is, is going to be quarterback um, Braxton uh, Burmeister. Uh, oh, well, that's Virginia Tech. Sorry. Quarterback Brennan Armstrong. See, I said I was going to make myself look like an idiot at some point in this episode. Here I am. Uh, quarterback Brennan Armstrong for Virginia will need to take a step forward. Uh, last season, he showed some promise. Uh, 58.6% completion percentage, two, over 2,000 yards passing and 18 touchdowns, but had 11 interceptions. Needs to bump up that completion percentage, throw a little less interceptions, and I think that Virginia offense as a whole would take a step forward if he can do those two things. Um, I'm also looking at one of their running backs to take a step forward. Uh, last season, their leading rusher was Brennan Armstrong. Uh, but outside of that, uh, they had Wayne Talapapa and Shane Simpson um, as their two top running backs. Um, Simpson averaged 5.1 yards. Talapapa averaged 4.5 yards. You, you just like to see a little bit more production out of that run game to take some of the pressure off of Armstrong. Armstrong led the team in carries. I know it's one of Armstrong's strength, but keeping him healthy should be one of the biggest uh, goals for Virginia this upcoming season. And doing that is means probably partially taking away some of those carries. Yeah, and to add to that, I also think that the linebacker group needs to have a big spring as well. Um, they had four guys uh, graduate from that linebacker core just this past season including Charles Snowden, who's likely going to be picked in this upcoming NFL draft. So, um, you know, the cover is not completely bare for Virginia at linebacker, but they definitely lost a lot of talented guys there. And I think that one or two guys needs to step up and have a big spring for, for this group to be replenished going into this upcoming season. Sure. And I should mention that Shane Simpson did enter the NFL draft. So it is uh, Talapa. I think I pronounced his name three different ways now. Uh, as that top guy returning, uh, but then you got guys like uh, Ronnie Walker Jr. Uh, and Ira Armstead also in the backfield. All righty, and I think that'll take us to our last team. Uh, that'll be Virginia Tech. So uh, Virginia Tech, uh, they were good last year against the mid-to-bottom tier teams in the ACC but they struggled against better teams on their schedule with losses to teams such as UNC, the emerging Liberty Flames, Miami, and, of course, Clemson. Uh, they were also blown out by Pitt 47-14 to at one point, which never looks good. Um, a four-game losing streak from November to December really put a sour, uh, sour damper on the season as they lost four of their last five overall. So, uh, Dylan, what's your opinion on Virginia Tech and where can they improve going into next year? Uh, yeah, Virginia Tech is such an interesting team under Justin Fuente, aren't they? Um, I like, I, I think there's a lot of potential there for Virginia Tech as a whole. I mean, you look at their offense, they averaged 31.1 points per game last year, but that defense under, uh, then first year defense coordinator, Justin Hamilton really struggled around 32.1 points per game. Uh, at 447 yards per game as a whole. 
Um, if you, if you have to pick one of the areas on the defense, I think it has to be the the uh, pass defense, which allowed 266 points points yards point per game last year. Um, it was really a struggle. They did intercept a, like Virginia over a pass per game, so they did a they were able to get those turnovers. But again, it it was kind of a boomer bust situation. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there. Um, I, I think that entire defense can take a step up. I think you covered that really well. Um, obviously, I think offensively, um, you're looking at Braxton Burmeister for this team. I know you briefly mentioned him when you were talking about Virginia on accident. But yep. um, with Hendon Hooker going to Tennessee via the transfer portal and other backup Quincy Patterson leaving for North Dakota State, um, Braxton Burmeister is clearly the guy for Virginia Tech going into next season. Um, I think his development and how he improves is really going to determine how well this team does. Would you agree with that statement? I I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I think with most teams, your quarterback is – you're only going to go as far as your quarterback takes you. There's very few teams out there that can get by with mediocre to average quarterback play. One of those teams for a long time was Alabama – Yes, their quarterbacks have always put up what looks like to be strong stats, but um, I mean, until Tua and now Mac Jones, they they've never really produced first round NFL talent at quarterback. Uh, but yeah, for for Virginia, go ahead. No, I'm saying it's definitely not. I think it's hasn't been a game changer for Alabama just because they always won no matter who they had. But it's definitely exactly. innovated the entire offense. That's for sure. Quarterbacks matter. That's the point. Yep. Um, but I also want to say, going on their defense, there is there are pieces there for success. I mean, last year they were top 10 in sacks and top 40 in uh, tackles for a loss. So there are pieces there. It just it needs to come all together for Justin Hamilton in year two of being that defensive coordinator. Um, and we'll see if that happens. Um, and then... I mean, like Virginia, they need to find out who, what their running back uh, room is going to look like. Uh, Cleo Herbert's off to the NFL. Hannon Herker's gone. Um, so is that going to be Raheem Blackshear's spot? Or, I mean, it, it's, it's really a big question there. Yeah, I think Herbert really quietly had a really good season for Virginia Tech. Transferred in from Kansas. Ran for 1,182 yards and eight touchdowns. Also caught 10 passes for 180 yards. So he really had a good season. And uh, that's definitely a big um, hole to fill. I, I think Raheem Blackshear, who also was a transfer in from Rutgers, uh, could come in and uh, play a role there, maybe become the number one guy. Or there could also be a rotation between him and guys like Jalen Holston and Marco Lee. So uh, we'll definitely have to watch uh, that running back uh, position battle as it develops from the spring into the rest of the uh, offseason. Absolutely, and I, th- and I think that wraps up all the all the uh, teams here in the ACC Coastal. Um, so let's let let's give a quick uh, idea of how we think these teams fall heading into the. Um, so, well, the end of the spring, early summer. Um, would you agree that North Carolina right now is the team to beat in, in the ACC Coastal? Yeah, I think it's fairly safe to say it's North Carolina's year, at least right now. Um, obviously, we're going to put Miami at two because they could have something to say about that, especially if De'Ara King comes back fully healthy. But um, this Sam Howell-led team, I think that they're going to be special. I think Tony Grimes on defense is going to emerge as a star at cornerback, and I think UNC is going to win the Coastal and take on Clemson in the ACC championship game. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Uh, the the North Carolina has the best quarterback uh, in the division, uh, possibly the conference. I know uh, a certain somebody at Clemson may have an argument about that this upcoming season, uh, but I think Sam Howell is uh, the best quarterback maybe in the entire country entering this season. Um, so that that's that automatically for me puts 
North Carolina at that top spot. I think he's the type of quarterback talent that makes everybody around him better. Uh, and then, yep, I agree with Miami at number two. And number three, who do you have? Because I feel number three and number four, maybe even number five, can all be battling and out there. So who do you have at number three? Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's so tough right now. I really think that it's so even in the middle. Um, for now, I'll say uh, I'll say Virginia Tech for right now will finish okay. third. But I could easily see Pittsburgh being the third best team, especially with more experience at quarterback. You know, Kenny Pickett coming back again. Braxton Burmeister is still a big unknown for Virginia Tech. So I, I could see three or four going either way and then Virginia down at five. Yeah, yeah. I, I see right now Pittsburgh at number three. Uh, you kind of alluded to why. For me, it, just, it comes down to Kenny Pickett, very experienced quarterback. He's grown a lot as a quarterback as well. Um, and by the, by the next season, he's going to own every record in the Pittsburgh uh, record book as a quarterback, amazingly. Uh, and But that speaks to the quarterback he's become. Um, so that because of Pickett, I have them at number three, and I think their defense for mostly every year is going to be at least decent, if not um, good to great. Um, at number four, I have Virginia Tech, and then at five, I have Virginia. Uh, but I, I can see really any given year those three teams swapping uh, the pecking order. Um, to wrap up the division, I think – there's a little bit of a a small space between Virginia and then Georgia Tech and Duke. Duke, like I said, coming off a really bad 2021, kind of uncharacteristic since the early years of the David Cutcliffe era there. Um, but I still think they're at the bottom of the ACC Coastal right now just because of questions kind of throughout that team. And then Georgia Tech, I have... Um, second to last i think they're a team that could maybe challenge virginia or virginia tech but i need to see a lot out of them early in the season to make me believe i think they have a tremendous amount of talent offensively and that offense can take a step forward there's very much potential there for them to battle it out for that uh four or five spot but i need to see that talent take that step forward and I need to see their defense take big improvements because if that defense doesn't improve, it's not going to matter really what that offense does. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Duke is the clear um, worst team, not just in, in this side of the conference, but in the conference overall, I expect them to finish last, even behind Syracuse, but um, Georgia tech like I said, like you said, I think you said it great. That offense, I think that offense is going to put up points. It's just a question of how good can that defense be. Uh, if that defense shows up at all, is even an average defense in the ACC, a middle of the pack, I could see Georgia Tech creeping into that 4-5 territory on the, on the coastal side. I think they could be decent because I think that offense could carry them. But uh, you'll have to see moving forward um, how that defense plays. Yeah, I, I very much think if there's a potential sleeper team of this group, it's Georgia Tech. I'm not saying they're going to be an elite team or even a good team, but if all goes well, I, I do think that maybe they could find a way to scrap together uh, five or six wins. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they could do that. It would be a big step forward for that program. It, 100%. And I, do you have any other thoughts on the ACC Coastal? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, So from last episode to this episode, Clemson, North Carolina, ACC championship game. Who do you got? Um, Clemson. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty straightforward there. All right. Well, we can wrap it up then. I I just want to get our thoughts on uh, two quick things. One – Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez is officially retiring. Congrats to Alvarez on what has been just a tremendous career uh, from uh, a coaching standpoint, but also an administration standpoint. Uh, That's going to be a big shakeup to the Big Ten. Alvarez had a huge voice in that entire conference, and uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see if he still retains a voice in uh, conference decision making. But uh, any thoughts on Alvarez retiring? I mean, a tremendous career for him. Um, like you said, I'm sure he will have uh, still have an impact on the Big Ten decision making. Um, those legendary figures tend to do that even after they retire. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who Wisconsin brings in to replace him. And then last episode, uh, even if we did, I'm not sure if we did though, uh, talk about Tyke Smith ending up at Georgia. I'm not sure if that happened right after we posted or what, but uh, even if we did, what are your quick thoughts on Smith going to Georgia? Obviously, the rich get richer there. Uh, That Georgia team has a, a pretty good chance to take over that SEC East crown again this year and challenge Alabama, uh, you would assume, in the SEC championship game. Um, do you think this could help put them over the top uh, against Alabama? It, it sure as heck can't hurt, that's for sure. I mean, he's an all-American level safety. Um, he would be a, an impact. He would have an impact and be a starter for any defense that he played for. Um, I think he'll be a huge enforcer for, for Georgia, and I think he can help close the gap against a team like Alabama. You know, Alabama's got receivers that can take the top off of the defense, um, and Tyke Smith is one of those guys that could definitely help shut that down a little bit. Absolutely, and it's also worth knowing that Georgia's secondary, I think, lost um, somewhere. I, I want to say... It was maybe five or six players this offseason. So adding a guy like him is going to be huge because he has that experience. He had some versatility. Um, but obviously he's an All-American caliber uh, safety back there. So uh, just a great pickup uh, for Georgia there. Um, yeah. And I guess with that, we'll wrap up this episode. Uh, thanks again for everybody for listening to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at collegefb underscore 365. Like us on Facebook. Um, we'll provide that link on Twitter. Um, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review to the podcast if you can on Apple. Uh, do all that fun stuff. And we'll be back at you uh, next week sometime uh, with a um, a surprise, I should, I'll say. Um, but uh, until then, thanks again, everybody. And we'll talk to you real, real soon.